The real estate market is booming. Whether you look in the suburbs or the city, Chicago continues to expand, creating incredible opportunities for those in the know. We'll connect with Chicago's real estate moguls to bring you the wisdom and expertise to help make your next real estate move a lucrative one on the Real Estate Moguls Podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Real Estate Moguls Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Stephanie Walter, real estate broker with Keller Williams Success Realty. Stephanie, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. Uh, and also just because, you know, we shared a, a common passion for pizza that we found out early <laughs> on, which is amazing. Um, yes. But then also, you know, the fact that you're a city girl, originally from uh, the Jefferson Park area, right? I am. So I'm, you know, born and raised northwest side of Chicago. It's um, one of the, I think, the nicest areas in the city. It's very residential, but also has access to the Blue Line, which you know, from there, you can get anywhere in the city. Of so. course, of course. It's it's it's, it's like the uh, one of the blue line stops, right? But it uh, mm-hmm. just kind of feels like almost like a little suburb in the, within the city, right? It does, yeah. And, and tell me, speaking of which, how did you get uh, involved in real estate? Um, so it was kind of an interesting journey. When my husband and I first got married and we started looking for a home, I absolutely fell in love with the process of looking at houses. And at the time, I was in the nonprofit industry and... Oh, you were like, that was your full-time job? Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, So, you know, we're going to look at houses. I remember talking to my broker and she was amazing. And I asked her about switching careers. And at the time, it just, it didn't make sense. So, you know... Everyone tells you 80% of realtors fail in their first year and, you know, you're expected to make maybe 15 grand and, you know, it's a side hustle. You know, you really have to, you know, network and, you know, all these buzzwords that were scary. And I just, I was doing well at the time and I, you know, as much as I was... Unfamiliar, right? More than anything else? Yeah. And what were you doing in the uh, nonprofit world? So I was executive director of the Foundation for Osteopathic Emergency Medicine. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is quite the title. <laughs> yes. They are the nonprofit branch of the American College of Osteopathic Emergency Physicians. Okay. And um, everything was great at the time, um, making good money. I was happy with my work. And um, I just, um, as time went on, after, you know, getting the house and everything, you know, I kind of just let the real estate thing fizzle. And in the meantime, the, the residency standards for the DOs, which are the osteopathic physicians, they merged with the MDs, which are allopathic. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so at my office, there was, you know, not my office for the organization, there was like a crisis of identity. And so what is what sets us apart? what makes a DO a DO. And there was all this talk about, you know, culture and, you know, how we're going to retain members. And long story short, like, it, it wasn't happening. And um, slowly you started to notice, you know, little hidden conversations happening. And, you know, the staff knew what was going on. We knew that, you know, we were going to lose members to, you know, the allopathic side. There was conferences that were bigger and better than ours because they had more money. And so... There was a lot of stress and toxic energy, and mm. as much as I loved what I was doing and the people I was working with, um, the writing was on the wall. And the joy seemed like it's kind of drained from it. Yeah, it was um, 
dog eat dog. And, mm. um, but, you know, all of us kept positive and we're all friends still. But it ended up, you know, downsizing, chopping mm. black. You know, we have to reduce staff. And we knew it was coming. And I was the first one to go. Well, there was three of us on the first day. And it was horrible. Like you let go. Yeah. Ugh, that's the worst feeling. Yeah. And, you know, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming that day because word gets around. And so I went into the office just, you know, here we go. And mm-hmm. <laughs> it ended up being one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. Of course. And it's always in hindsight, right? Yeah. And so, like, it was really scary and vulnerable. But I also had, like, this flicker of excitement because things had been bad. And so finally, you know, they came into my office and they gave me an envelope with a severance package and, you know, thank you for your 10 years of service. Jeez, 10 years. Yeah. Um, But it never felt like what I was meant to be doing. And I think the board that I worked for and represented, they knew that. And they loved me for my work and my energy. But I think even they knew, like, you should be doing something else (laughs) because you're not you know, passionate about osteopathic emergency medicine and like, and if it had a more tangible sales point, I think I would have been Hmm. like, there was one particular campaign where they did a mission trip to the Philippines. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, shout out to Cameron Myers. Um, he was a resident physician at the time. And I think that was the most excited I had ever been at my job because we were fundraising for something real, something tangible, something that I was excited about. And, you know, to see him help these people that desperately needed the emergency care. Um, but 80, 90% of the rest of the fundraising was like this um, obscure idea of osteopathic medical research, you know, with no specific research project in mind. Mm. Um, there were too many cooks in the kitchen. And, you know, we never really came to an absolute decision on what the money would go towards. And so it was really difficult to fundraise. It was really difficult to be passionate about. Mm. Um, So I think, you know, if there had been more mission trips and things like that, I would have loved it and maybe even would have been retained. I don't know. Maybe they can tell it wasn't my niche, but wouldn't have gone down the real estate path. Yeah. Path rather. But but it seems like you're passionate about real estate. I'm so passionate. <laughs> and that was the thing I used to like daydream about it and you know, I'd watch HGTV and like during that time I'm assuming. Yeah. And and people, you know, give HGTV a lot of shit and it's not necessary. Like yeah, obviously you see more than three houses and you know, the budgets are more realistic, but the the feeling is there and the showing houses and the you know, helping people get that set of criteria that they're looking for in the budget um, and timeline, you know, it's it's a challenge and it's fun. And so got the severance, interviewed at a few different nonprofits after that. And, you know, the first few, it was like, yes, you know, I think the first one was like the Nature Conservatory. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I love camping. Like, this is why I moved to the Chain of Lakes. Like, mm-hmm. I'm all about nature. And I was so excited about the interview. I'm like, this is an ace in the hole. I've got my master's degree in nonprofit. You know, oh, wow. I was an executive director. I love nature. Like, this is, of course, they're going to hire me. Well, they didn't. And um, the next place didn't hire me. And it was like, it was really hard to transition from like, I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about that. And it's like, yes, I am. But it started to feel disingenuous. Mm. And so... One of the places I interviewed at was the National Association of Realtors. So on Michigan Avenue, it was actually like kitty corner from my old office. It was the same neighborhood in Streeterville. And I think it was like a a, beautiful building. It is. Yeah. And it's across from the Trib Tower. Um, 
so I, there was another one that I didn't get. It was really competitive at the time. And, um, I'm not a great interviewer because I don't really like to talk about myself. And so, especially like under the, you know, under under pressure, pressure, you know, and so, yeah, I I didn't get that one, but that there was like (laughs) a line of demarcation. I was interviewing there and one of the things I kept talking about was how I want to be a realtor and then this has always been a dream of mine and I walked out of that interview and I was like, why am I not? Interesting. And so it came back to the thing of like, oh, all realtors fail in their first year. So it's just that and fear of failing. It was more than a fear, it was statistics. And you know, mm. you look at the numbers and you look at the average salary and you know, I'm not a big, you know, you have to make a ton of money to be happy person, but you need to cover your bills. Yeah. And so I was told like the median income was X, my bills were X. I'm like, ugh, this is going to be so tight. And so I had this epiphany. Um, so I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Mm. My brother is a Chicago police officer, um, but his background before that was in underwriting. Okay. And so he got his loan officer license while he was on the job. And so he always did loans on the side. Interesting. And so people would come out of the police academy. You know, they're finally making a salary. They're looking for a home. They go to Tim. You know, it was like, it's smart, but it's also something that he was passionate about. He loves Mm. the numbers and he's great at it because he comes from the underwriting, you know, that's like the the background of the whole industry. If you can understand the underwriting, being a loan officer is a piece of cake. Yep. All you have to do is bring the people in. Yep. And so when he helped me refinance my home, I remember chatting with him and like getting fired up again. And so it was like, I understood the concept of like PMI and not putting 20% down and you know, looking at the loan to value ratio and the debt to income. And, you know, if you pay off this credit card, you'll be fine, you know, and, you know, credit scores and how those are affected by your lifestyle choices. And it seems like tools of empowerment, right? Yeah. But like for so many people, and believe me, I know this because I do it for a living now. I'm also a loan officer. Oh, no way. Um, That is like speaking a foreign language. It's Greek. People do not understand mortgages. The thought of um, underwriting, people are asking for my bank statements and contacting my HOA. Like it's it's invasive. Yeah, it sure. immediately puts people on guard. Well, on the contrary, when I was doing it, I was like, oh my God, I love this. I see the numbers. I understand what you're saying. I can see that if I go from 3.125 to 2.99, I'm going to save X amount per month. Um, if I keep the same term, if I extend the term, it's even more savings, but you get more interest over time. And like all of these different like floating variables, like you see like the meme of the algorithms on the, <laughs> on the wall, you know, someone sure. doing a math problem and like it made sense to me and I liked it. And so back to this present time after interviewing with the National Association of Realtors, I had this epiphany where I'm like, okay, I can't afford to live on a realtor starting salary. So they say. I also can't afford to uh, live on the loan officer license because my brother said that. He's like, this is a side gig. It's not your full time thing. You know, at least in his opinion, it wasn't you know, going to support me. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, why don't I do both? And it was like, I remember the exact moment I was sitting on my like chaise lounge next to my fireplace. And like, as soon as I thought it, like my whole body got tingles. I was like, oh, my God, like is this a thing? Like, can I so do this? So this is even before you decided to become a realtor or yeah. a, a loan originator? Yeah. Originator. 
yeah, it was while I was in the process of interviewing and kind of, you know, figuring out my next move. And I still had the the severance and, you know, I was just kind of figuring out who I want to be. And so I immediately like got on Google. I'm like, is this legal? Like, <laughs> can I do both? Because I've never heard of anyone that did. Sure. And so I, I couldn't find any answers at all on the Internet. There's nothing on there. Um, it's a very like weird, vague conversation. And I found one guy on Facebook, like in one of the beginner realtor groups that identified himself as a realtor loan officer. I private messaged him. He said, yeah, it's it's legal in my state. You know, make sure you check your guidelines and, you know, contact Illinois. And I'm like, OK, I still feel weird about this. And so I guess um, I think the next thing I did was look up the IDFPR, which is um, Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulations or something like that. And yeah, you can. And so I'm like, OK, like I'm feeling good. I'm going to do this. And so. I got the the classes to do the loan officer license first. Took those, I think, in two to three weeks. Passed that test. Look at you. Put just, it in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a lot of like cramming and regurgitating. Sure, sure, sure. So it's all of the regulations behind the mortgages. It's not the actual job, you know, just like a lot of degrees. And so passed that test, put it in my pocket, immediately started thinking about real estate. You know, I, I start looking at different classes to take, and I guess the the way it's done is you interview at brokerages first, mm. and then you take the classes. And that's how it always is? Um, No, not always. Oh, gotcha. Because you can take the classes independently, You right? can. Yeah. You can. But I think um, I was looking for a little guidance at mm. this point. Makes sense. And I wanted to know that it was worthy of my time and energy and... So I met with three different brokerages. The first one was a, a man, and he basically told me, because um, my son, I think, was one at the time, and he was like, no, like, oh, honey, like, you can't, if you have young children, like, you can't be a realtor. Wow. This isn't the right time for you. And Is that even legal? <laughs> I don't think so, and I'm not going to mention any names, no, but I, I always remember thinking, like, what an asshole. I'm yeah. sorry. I don't know if you can say that, but like he would never say that to a man. Yeah. And so that really bothered me. And, but he, you know, also I still have my notes, like I'm a big note taker and he had some really good resources to check out. And so he told me to go to the national association of realtors website and, um, Heartland board, main street board, you know, start immersing, immersing yourself in the culture and the lingo. And so it wasn't for nothing. And I don't think he was intentionally chauvinistic. I think it was just, that's how he felt about me at the time. And so I left his office and was like, okay, no. <laughs> and then I met with a woman who was really nice. And I, to this day, love her. But she said, you have to decide who you want to be. Hmm. So are you a realtor or are you a loan officer? And you're like, I want to do both. Yeah. And she said, you know, no, you, you can't do that. Interesting. Not at my brokerage and not anywhere kind of basically was her Jeez. implication. And I was like, really, uh, you know, took the wind out of my sails after that meeting. And I was like, okay. So I went to the third interview and this one was at Keller Williams Success Realty and shout out to them. It was amazing. I met with um, Jan Gagola over there and she didn't know the answer, but instead of telling me, no, you can't do it, she said, let me find out. And so she then spoke to Lori at our mm -hmm. office 
And Lori contacted the IDFPR, which I had already done. I knew it was legal, but they didn't know because it's not a thing that people commonly do. And so the fact that they took the time and then, you know, got back to me and said, yes, you can do this. It just can't be a federally backed, you know, FHA loan for your own borrower. But you can do conventional loans for your own buyers. Like, that's okay. And she sent me the email from them. And I was like, okay, I like them. Like, they're not just giving me the brush off. You know, a lot of times when people first start real estate, you get brushed off a lot because what are you to them? If, sure. you know, if there's no money signs yeah. behind you, they don't know if I'm going to succeed or I'm not going to succeed. And so is it worth even contacting them for this person that's probably not going to do anything for me? Well, they took the time. And so I'm like forever loyal to them. That was really cool. It says a lot about them too. I mean, you're, you're right that when people brush you off, it's just a lack of of consideration and kindness yeah. and care for others that when, when someone's like, let me look into that they're you know, they're, they're taking that task on, they go do it. And, and that, that even creates the opportunity to, to see what kind of person they are. And, you yeah. know, and obviously you're there, so yes. <laughs> that speaks to the experience. Yeah. And I think it's also one of the greatest things that I feel about, you know, professionals in general is like, if you don't know the answer, don't make something up. Yeah. Just say, let me find out. Yeah. And I think people will end up trusting you more than For if sure. you made up some answer like, yeah, it's this. Or it's like, no, if you don't know, just say it. It's okay. Sure. Yeah. People will trust you more. Well, and it's so, more common not to know something, like, not, not to know everything, right? Exactly. And it shows, you know, vulnerability, but also the initiative to find out. For sure. And so, you know, are you connected to the right resources? Like, for, like people ask me stuff all the time that's, you know, let me ask my legal person or let me ask a contractor. You know, I don't just come up with answers on the fly if it's not my thing. Yeah. So now, you know, when you decide that you're going to do this and take this career and b- be this person who's doing both, right, both mm-hmm. uh, mortgages and, 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 and selling real estate, um, how, and not only that, but going out and doing the research that you're not finding anyone who's necessarily doing that, which mm-hmm. I'm sure there are, right? But it wasn't like it's so common that right. what was the biggest then challenge or in terms of branding yourself, like that personal brand, what does it represent? So when, you know, clients see, well, you're a realtor. Oh, but you also do mortgages. Like, so how, how was, how did you navigate that, uh, so that with, was, with clients? That was particularly tricky <clears throat> because you can't advertise both in one ad. Like, for example, uh, I can't have Stephanie Welter, realtor, loan officer with like both logos. They have to be separate. Um, that's but, where those rules come in. Yeah. Yeah. So because otherwise it can be misleading to the borrower. It's all about like the Truth and Lending Act and, Mm. you know, making sure someone understands that they have the option to choose their own lender. So because you're choosing me as your buyer's agent doesn't mean that you have to use me as a lender. And so it's my job to educate the buyers and say, hey, I do mortgages. You don't have to use me. In fact, I recommend you getting a price out by, you know, at least three companies so you can compare the loan estimates yeah. and make an educated decision. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And so it was difficult advertising in that regard because you can't really advertise in the literal sense. But on your personal Facebook, you can talk and you can say things like, you know, what you're doing that day. And people can infer that you're doing both. And I can mm-hmm. say that I'm doing mm-hmm. one thing today and one thing the next day. And mm-hmm. so my method of advertising was genuine and it was more like today I'm doing an open house and I'm in you know this beautiful home in Barrington you know at the time I was doing a lot of open houses for Kelly Davis and um, I love her she was my mentor and I just talked to her the other day and she's at EXP now which 
again, it doesn't really matter what office you're at. It's, it's a community, it's, right? And that's a, what we talked about building here. And that's what we're trying to, yeah, to it's cultivate. People, yeah. people and mentors and people that take time for you. And she was one of the people that took time for me and I would do her open houses. But so that was a benefit for her, obviously. But also she would answer questions for me. So like, I'd be like, okay, like, I don't really know what I'm doing. You know, you kind of have to like get your wings first. And mm-hmm. she was always there. Um, so yeah, it's in, the way that I advertised was just, you know, pictures of the beautiful open houses or, you know, here's a, a loan estimate where all of the confidential information has been blocked mm-hmm. off or mm-hmm. I love, um, the, the black and white aspect of the mortgages. And so it's like, they're in the same field, but they're two whole different animals. Completely. And so the real estate is very emotional and there's a lot of passion and that's like a lot of where my fire comes from is like, I love seeing houses. I love meeting people. I love listening to people's needs and like helping them achieve these goals where it's like, especially if they're moving somewhere that they're not familiar with already. So like if someone's moving to the chain of lakes, I'm like, (laughs) I did that. I came from the city to the chain. I know exactly what you're going through. You skipped every suburb on the way there, right? That was your first move out of the city. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's, it was a bold move and it was either that or move out of state and we're really close with our families. Mm. And so it was like, how far can we go to have this like nature life, you know, without leaving our families. And so we ended up on the chain. And so there's this, emotional side of real estate that I love and the helping people side, you know, like just listening to, you know, what they want and the the questions that they have. And then there's the loans and the loans are just black and white. So it's numbers and it's either you can afford this or you can't. It's not a sales price, which has always bothered me on a pre-approval letter. It's like pre-approved for a $400,000 house. It's like, no, it's, you know, 2382 per month based on their debt to income ratio so if the taxes are too high they're gonna bust out like you have to know that stuff you just love geeking out on this stuff. i do like you can just see it on my face right now like i to me the, the math side it's so dry and it's so different from fundraising and the emotional yeah. side of real estate you know as a buyer's agent or even a listing agent you have to be emotional the mortgages it's like oh, it's the sweet relief of numbers where it's like mm-hmm. Okay, here's the situation. And and my analysis is free. So like there's no risk for someone to come and say, "Okay, I'm at, you know, like I said before, 3.125. Like what are the rates at now?" And I have to say, you know, they're not rates across the board. Mm. And that's why people are like, "I got this from lending tree that says 1.99 for 30 years." I'm like, "Whoa." Yeah. That, that, that no one can say what your rate is cuz they don't know your credit score, right, they right, don't right. know anything about you. And so I love looking at a scenario and saying, okay, does this person want to renovate their house? Are they trying to take cash out? Do they want to pay off all their high interest credit card debt? Would that be something that would also boost their credit score? And, you know, maybe then, you know, do something else in the future. But, you know, there's so many different things you can do. Strategies that you can take, right? Yeah. Like it's not just a refinance, like, oh, I'm just going to go down the rate or like a point. If it's not 1%, it's not worth doing. Or it's like, nope. That's not true. Like, let's seriously, like, let's sit down and look at it. Let me get a chalkboard out because it's fun. It's so fun for me and say, you don't have to extend the term. You're not stuck in this cycle forever of 30 year mortgages. Like there's custom terms and you can go anywhere in between. You can stay where you're at now, bring your rate down. And hey, if you're getting this extra 200 bucks per month, why not put it into your portfolio and watch that grow? So now not only are you saving 80 grand in interest over the life of the loan, but now you've got it all being invested too. 
Like that's a lot of money. Absolutely. And it's, and it's awesome to see the passion behind it. You know, all these different scenarios you're <laughs> oh, just throwing out there, you know. It's, it's all over and, the and place. And you light up, right? And, and, it can and, change your life. 100%. And it's clear to see why, you know, you wanted to do both. You know, yeah. it makes, makes sense. So in terms of what's next, like what's the future uh, for, for, for Stephanie, for your brand, for the business? Yeah, it's um, continuing. I mean, my motto is always customer satisfaction over profit. So... I take hits sometimes and I, I'm obviously advertising it now, but I don't like to. It's like sometimes I'll take a, a lower commission split or, um, you know, I offer promotions for sellers. Like I'll pay for the staging or, you know, a deep clean if a house obviously needs it and the seller can't afford it. To me, it's about helping clients visualize clearly a goal and achieve that goal. And so I come from, you know, as I mentioned, like a background of association management. So Strategic planning is another thing, like, if you want me to really geek out, like, to see a big goal and break it into chunks is, like, my favorite thing in the world. Like, I am ritualistic about it. Like, I make a cup of tea on Sundays to do my weekly plan, which is three strategies that lead toward a big goal that leads to an even bigger goal. Like, this is what I do. And so when I have a client come to me with kind of, like, an ambiguous need, I like to sit down and be like, okay... Let's map this out. Yeah, yeah like it's awesome. like let's sit down and talk about like okay, you say this area, but why? Maybe maybe the, there's a different area that they don't know about that would hit their needs even more. And um, same thing with numbers. Like people don't know the resources that they have. You know, like some four hundred one ks you can draw from without fees if it's going towards a down payment. Do I recommend tapping in your four hundred one k? No, not necessarily. It depends on your scenario. Right, but if right, it's right. Between paying, you know, an outrageous rent, you know, and versus owning a home that's going to appreciate in value based on the statistics, again, it comes down to math. Yep. You have to look at like yeah, if it's a small amount. Right? Yeah, if yeah. it's a small amount, like an FHA loan or a conventional home possible loan, you can put between three and three and a half percent down. That's a small chunk of change if you're buying a hundred fifty thousand dollar condo. For sure. So it's not like you're draining your four hundred one k. You know, it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna take five grand out, (laughs) and I'm gonna own this piece of property, and when I sell it in five years, I'm gonna have a hundred grand in my pocket. A hundred percent, a hundred, especially the way real estate is now. Yeah. Um, But if you're out there listening and 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 you're fired up as much as I am about (laughs) about Stephanie's passion uh, for for real estate and numbers and the numbers behind real estate, I'd encourage you to reach out to her. There's a form that you can uh, contact her directly below, but Stephanie, you know, I genuinely appreciate you coming down, and especially from the Chain of Lakes all the way. That's my you know. pleasure. Yeah, we didn't great. even get to talk about pizza. <laughs> no, we, we got a whole podcast for that, too. So. That's awesome. <laughs> but no, thank you, and I uh, look forward to the next one. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here, and this was fantastic. 